Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Welcome to the Best Business Podcast, the podcast for established marketers, entrepreneurs, and CEOs, the ones who want to join me in my mission to create 200 new multimillionaires who solve world problems with entrepreneurship. If that's you, then this podcast was created to give you access to the tools, training, strategies, and tactics you need to achieve multiple seven-figure profits as soon as possible. This world needs the best business you can build, so please get ready, open your mind, believe you can do this, and let's build a better world together for future generations. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Jack Wong, author of Amazon best-selling book, Cracking the Entrepreneur Code, Seven Tips to Build the Business You Always Wanted. He's been featured on CBS News, Fox, ABC News, and NBC News. Jack is a serial entrepreneur and a business strategist with more than 23 years of international tax experience. He's also a sales and marketing expert with over 20 years of feet-to-the-fire experience in sales, plus an international speaker sharing his entrepreneurial message in four out of five continents of the world. He is best known for his ability to help employees stuck in the rat race start a business using his seven principles and existing business owners to supercharge their sales by up to 300% in 90 seconds or less using a proven system endorsed by San Francisco State University. I've asked him to join us here today so we can all grow our businesses better. Jack, thank you for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? Daryl, thanks for having me in your show. Yeah, well, it's an honor and pleasure to have you here. And obviously, you've got some experience, just a little bit, a little bit of experience. You've accomplished some things and been able to help a lot of people. So I appreciate that you joining us here because I know you could be doing your own thing and you're coming to share with me and my listeners and that. Before you got all these decades of experience and worked with all these high-level people and got endorsed by these universities, how did you get started? Do you come from an entrepreneurial family? Like, what was your first business venture? Like, how did you get the ball rolling? I didn't come from an entrepreneur family as such because I am a very excellent product of the traditional education. My parents just told me, study hard, get good grades, get a good job. And that will be your corporate career for the rest of your life until retirement. Having said that, my parents actually run their business for over 30 years before they decide to retire mm. five years ago. Wow. What was their business? Well, what they were doing, importing and exporting, you cannot believe these umbrellas to European countries and to the North America. And that's why my, life, my whole life, I hate to carry umbrellas. <laughs> but that's the truth. That's so funny. Yep. I totally buy that though, because I lived in Japan for three years and I go to the Philippines all the time and it rains so much. So there's like, you guys have good umbrellas and then the rest of the, like Canada, yeah, we're just, we're, we're struggling. So, yep. so, okay. And you got started in the family business. Was that kind of how you got your first, like cut your teeth the first time or? Okay. So I actually studied in university after that I graduated from university and joined an accounting firm. Uh -huh. uh, I have been in the corporate world for 17 years combined. Wow. I had no opportunity per se, or put in this way, I didn't have any thoughts of coming out to do uh, any businesses during my times in uh -huh. the corporate world. Uh -huh. Even though my parents have their own businesses, I didn't even think of joining them at all. Hmm. So at all times during that 17 years, I was 100% employee, so to speak. Hmm. Uh -huh. But it was actually until 
um, six years ago, to be precise, 2011. Then I realized maybe it's just good time to come out. When I say come out, I mean leaving the corporate world for just one big reason. The reason is that I enjoy the freedom of being on my own. Uh-huh. I finally had reached the conclusion that I can't be controlled by anybody. Uh-huh. I didn't like the corporate environment, the people and the bureaucracy, the uh-huh. politics, which is very, very uh, annoying. Uh-huh. So I made a decision in 2011 to leave the corporate world and start my first business, which is still the business that I'm running as of today, which is the consulting and training business. Uh-huh. Because actually my passion and I like to really speak to many people. Uh-huh. Mm, mm, mm. Got it, got it, got it, got it. So what's been kind of your biggest challenge in your six years in this business career? Well, I hope that your listeners will not repeat the steps that I had in 2011 because when I left the corporate world, to my surprise, I didn't even think of having a business plan. I didn't know what to do, although I have a rough idea that, okay, I will start consulting and training business. I had zero idea who to talk to, how to start, what to do, what are the steps involved. So during the first three months of my entrepreneurship career, I had zero income. Every single day, I was just pondering in front of my computer, Mm. what should I do for that day in order to take one step forward? So that thought has been with me during the first three months of my new career. Uh So listeners, please do not repeat my step. This is actually, I'm taking a gamble. Fortunately, I make it, but I'm bad that not everyone will have the same result like I do. Right, right, right. So that was a big challenge for you. It was a very, very big challenge. How did you overcome it? Well, interestingly, after three months, two things happened. First thing is that I bumped into a life-changing seminar that um, the trainer actually introduced the money blueprint concept, which is something that I didn't learn in school for sure, or um, do I actually pick this up during my corporate career? Mm-hmm. He's talking about like as an entrepreneur, how do you wire your mind so that money comes to you and you've got to change your money blueprint, you have to adopt certain strategies, you have to actually believe that the universe is always giving you the challenges and you have to take steps forward, unlike the employees where you wait for them, wait for the food to come. For entrepreneurs, you have to take the risk, you have to take the steps and get the results. Results first. Mm. On the way, if something is not working, we'll change the strategy as such. So that's the very first thing. The second thing, which is very interesting, is I chance upon uh, my first client, which is a Singapore professional accounting body. And I didn't plan to have an inquiry with them, but just happened that I bumped, I chanced upon the website and I saw a contact us page. So I have this thought and say, since I've been waiting for three months, contact us page. Why not I just contact them and just ask for an opportunity? So to cut the long story short, I managed to get the first opportunity of starting my first training program with them. And I haven't looked back since then. That's awesome. That's excellent. That's super excellent. (laughs) So you really hit something on on the nail. The business is about results. It's about getting things done. I think you totally step into a new world as an entrepreneur. You get out of the world of clock in, clock out and just hang out. Like most employees, a lot of employees, I don't want to, there's a lot of great people out there that love their jobs and are fantastic employees. So by no mean do I mean to discredit any of them, but there are a significant number of people that, you know, steal inventory. They spend their time, the hours that they're at work, chatting with friends on Facebook and things 
things like that. Like they're just there to, you know, like I'm just going to hang out, do what I'm told. And there's no like initiative, mm. but you can't have that mentality as a business owner. You can't be like, I'm just going to hang out. Like a lot of people get paid for presence, not for performance. Yep. And I think that that's the exact opposite in business. You get paid for performance, which is all about results. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the top results getting activities you feel for any business? Well, for result-wise, I have started the first training program with this accounting professional body in Singapore. And since then, I have been able to introduce more and more programs for them. Training accounting professionals over about three to 5,000 people wow. and uh, creating a lot of awareness of how the tax structure or planning ideas can work in Singapore context. Uh, my job, because my whole life I am a tax specialist, so I have been able to share my tax expertise with lots of people in Singapore. Mm. And some actually, because of listening to just one tip, were able to, to save six figures or seven figures in their tax uh, matters. Well, yeah. So what are some of the things that business owners need to be aware of? Like, those are fantastic results that you've gotten. But what as a business, what are some of the results getting things that they need to focus on? If I have a business or if I'm someone listening to this call, you know, mm. how do I differentiate productivity from being busy and active? Okay. So number one, I think one thing that I would recommend is really to have a business goal. When I say business goal, it means that every single day I have to take action, as I said earlier. But ultimately, what is the underlying goal that I'm getting. It's like when I start a business, I'm not here just to make money. Obviously, money is important. I cannot deny that. Having said that, we as human beings have a bigger agenda behind. So the question, as I share with one of my friends this afternoon, it just happened that way. He said he's basically looking for money in his business. I said, are you sure you're just making money? Ah. Do you know why do you do this business? Why you? Why now? And why? Why are you doing what you're doing? So I guess for listeners you have, if you know exactly why you're doing what you do and you believe the process and you just take action every day, money is never a concern. It will come. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But if I'm just focusing on money, what's the difference between human beings as compared to a bee who is going to the flower for pollination every single day? Uh -huh. I love that. In fact, I'm actually uh, I'm living with some of my cousins and, and supporting them for a little bit. And I had a conversation with uh, one of them yesterday mm. about that sort of thing that like I said, I recommended five and two or six and one, like for five days a week. I know you don't have full time work mm -hmm. and you're trying to find work. But I think that, you know, putting out a few, sending a couple of emails, like basically doing an hour worth of work isn't going to get you those results fast. Mm -hmm. And as was obvious in the conversation, it's been a long time and this person's still been looking. And I'm like, you know, but if you put in full-time hours into finding full-time work, I guarantee it'll come to you. You know what I mean? And that's where yep. I think where you're saying the same thing. Don't just be focused about money, but be focused on the tasks and even just helping people like be out there and doing it. I think Elon Musk is a great example of that. He's mm. like, I think he was Tesla. He's like, Tesla's not a good investment as an investor because, you know, we're not there to try to milk every dollar out of the market that we can. Mm. They're striving for excellence. I actually think it would be a great investment vehicle because they're just out to be excellent and change the world. And like you said, they've got a mission and a purpose and a reason why, why they get up. I think a lot of people forget that all a company is is a group of people solving a problem mm -hmm. of another group of people with a product or service. Exactly. Entrepreneurs are here to solve people's problem, yep. which exactly is why we are doing what we are doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Yep. And problems are markets, not a demographic. People get that backwards all the time. A problem is the market. Mm -hmm. Certain people tend to have that problem and you can identify those certain people with stereotypes and characteristics and site graphics, mm -hmm. but the problem is the market. And as soon as businesses forget that, they are in for a world of hurt. Like newspapers, when blogs came out, mm -hmm. they forgot the problem that they had originally been solving for people. And they thought they were just delivering wads of paper with advertising in it to people. And that wasn't the case. Yeah. So what would you recommend to people that are starting out? Have a plan. Have an idea what they want to do and why they are planning what they, uh, just to rephrase this, is why do they want to do what they want to do? So the why is important, which is what I've just said. Mm -hmm. Have a business goal, which is the reason why they want to do um, something. And number two is have a plan as to what are the steps involved. And don't just waste time and think and think aloud, what should I do today? What should I do tomorrow? Uh, if you can have a good navigator that will guide you along so that you know what action you have to take each and every day. So mm. that's a mm. number one recommendation. Mm. That's awesome. Now, what do you see a lot of mistakes entrepreneurs making when they do that? They make a plan. They're like, all right, I got a plan. I'm going to change the pizza world. I'm going to change the hockey equipment world. I'm going to change the insert category or market or problem pain point here. On that journey, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see your clients and other entrepreneurs making? Well, recently I came to this realization that some entrepreneurs are just stubborn. When I, why am I saying that? It is because they think they know what to do and the three most dangerous words they have is I know that. Mm. And the moment say I know that, it means we are not open to other people's ideas. So I continue doing what I do and because I keep saying I know that and when things are not working, then what do we do? Because I know that holds okay. I will continuously spend in my sweet time to figure out things that I do not know, yep. even though I say I know that. So the mistake can be rectified just for one simple trick. That is, stop saying I know that. Instead, say I'm open to new ideas. Mm. I'm open to new suggestion and seek feedback from other people who may have done this before or experience to help mm. you and that will save your learning curve and time because we all have 24 hours a day yep that's a great tip that's a fantastic tip. In fact, I can remember one of my, wasn't quite corporate, but I was working as a marketing director, basically CMO, because there's no one above me uh, for this company. And I, a lot of meetings, really high pressure, high performance environment. I felt like it was funny because you mentioned the entrepreneurs are stubborn. I had to laugh and chuckle about that because I think I'm kind of stubborn. And I don't remember what book I read it in, but I read about a guy that was a high profile. The, the details escaped me, but I actually did this for probably like six months. And in the book, it was like this guy, the CEO kept a piece of paper in his pocket every time he went to meetings and it said, maybe they're right. Mm. Or what if they're right? That was it. What if they're right? And I did the same thing. I started keeping that piece of paper in my pocket, in my desk. And anytime I went to a meeting, I took that piece of paper because you kind of fidget sometimes or you take it a pen or whatever. And sometimes it, I would touch it and I would think, because I would hear somebody saying something and in my head, I already knew. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, right? Like, I'm like, exactly like you said. I'm like, no, no, no. I already know everything. And that was, that was actually extremely useful for me. Mm -hmm. That was extremely useful for me. Not to pat myself on the back, but often I was accurate, but there were times I was wrong. And even the times that I wasn't wrong, just by approaching it differently, open and receptive, there was more buy-in from my team. Mm -hmm. It's just a small, it's the exact same response. Like you might already know the answer. That's great. But just a small little tweak can just radically change the result. Exactly. Yeah. I totally agree. That's awesome. 
So do you feel that there is anything that ever held you back on your path and success and growing a business and, and just learning how to grow businesses? Well, business is actually something which is fascinating to me um, because every single day I will have something that I can learn from other people. Just like recently, I chanced upon some new strategies in terms of online marketing. Now, pardon me, I'm not an internet marketer, so mm-hmm. I don't know much about online marketing. But I do learn from hardcore reading or going for seminars to understand how online marketing actually works. Mm. But the funny thing is that what I learned three, four years ago is not up to date, is is outdated, Mm -hmm. which means that I have to relearn things that I have to because say, for example, on Facebook, they change the policy, they change the algorithm. So what we have been doing in the past may not be working anymore. So the funny thing about this business is I have to constantly updating myself with the latest technology, latest information, so as to create results for myself and for my clients. It's just an ongoing lifelong journey. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it can. I do an extensive amount of online marketing. A tip for anyone that's listening, if they uh, empathize with that and feel the same way, the tactics like Facebook, you're right. Facebook changes every day. Mm. The tactics for the tackle, ground level, and how to implement the strategies sometimes change, but the principles never change. And for a lot of people, it, it's traffic times conversion. Mm. Where's your audience? Let's get them to my offer page, to my, you know, my lead magnet or my freebie or my white paper, you know, whatever the, my quote request form, you know, mm. let's siphon off the people that might be interested. Let's provide some value to them and try to get their contact info only for the reason that you can build a relationship with them. 90% of sales don't happen on the first touch, mm-hmm. right? So how do I get in touch with them? And then following up. So in a lot of ways, it's where do I get the visitors from? Where am I sending them to? You know, is it an opt-in first? Or am I going straight for the sale? Is it a blog post first and then an opt-in and then the sale? Figure out that strategy or funnel. Following up via email, text, phone calls, social media, and of course, trying to pursue the sale. That strategy has just been the same forever. And I've done million dollar campaigns with Facebook ads. And even just recently, I think this year alone with one client, and I'm not even like, I do do Facebook marketing, like paid Facebook ads, but that's not even what I consider my superpower. And we spent easily 50 grand. And at the time of this recording, it's what the end of May. So like I said, the tactics really do change on a lot of different levels. You're fully right. And at that implementation level, if you're the one running the ads, you definitely have to keep up speed. But the principles, a lot of that stuff, it's the same, whether even if it's online or offline, same thing. I mean, a billboard, traffic, how many people drive by it? How many people are going to text or call in or visit the website? All right. You know, and then how many of those people take it from there? But you're right. I mean, that's why I love doing this podcast because I can meet people like you and try to learn from you Mm. because small hinges swing big doors and one small change can make a huge difference. But sometimes people get caught up in the tech and it might just be easier to hire someone, to be honest, you know, hire someone that wants to stay up to date with all that stuff and stay at strategic and principle-based level, depending on the size of the business and where they're at, you know, depending. I know you work with all levels, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What's the biggest client you'd take on? The biggest clients I take on. Uh, like, what would be the biggest client? Like, would you take a client that was a hundred million dollar company? Oh no, I can't. Right. Uh, my size not accommodate that. Right. Probably talk about like six, seven figures. Got it. Okay. And what's the smallest that you would work with? Oh, smallest five figures. Five figures. Got it. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fine. That's perfect. It's a nice little tight. <laughs> so. Now, with the most successful clients that you do work with, do you see that they have habits that are leading them to success and habits that you've used too? 
Well, clients that I enjoy to work with are people who really take my direction and treat me as the mentor, mm. treat me as a teacher to give them the suggestion and the solution. And they never challenge me. They never say why and ask me, is there another way of doing things? And those are the clients which I enjoy the most. Um, obviously, on the opposite side, um, those clients will keep asking me for a fee reduction because they don't see the value. They just want to press the price down. And then they ask tons of questions which are to which to me are irrelevant, which are unnecessary. Those kind of clients I don't really enjoy to work with. So I prefer working with people who have good rapport, who listen to me, and who just execute the task following my direction. That's uh-huh. the clients that I have. Mm. And for the best clients, the most successful clients, do they have rituals or habits or routines that you notice? Like, do all of them have these shared things? Is there anything that jumps out at you if you think about the most successful clients you've had? Do they all wake up and read every morning? They have, again, like, is there a routine or a ritual or a habit that you think has helped them be successful? Well, I cannot really dictate what they have. I haven't done a survey so that I don't have the full facts of the case. But having said that, I do believe um, experts market. For example, I have cl- my my one of my big target group of audiences uh, is from the expert markets, the authors, the coaches, the consultants, and they obviously, as entrepreneurs, they have the similar mindsets that I have. At the same time, I work with big companies. Uh, the big companies, the office. The office leaders, the CEO, for example, have certain ritual, but I do not know exactly what that happens because I'm not that close to them. So I'm not sure whether I've answered your question that way. So how about yourself then and your 20 years of sales and marketing experience? What do you think were the things that helped you guys if you went through your 20 years of doing different marketing and sales endeavors and promotions? Were there things that were, you know what I mean? Were there key pieces that you needed to have in everything that was successful that you did? Okay. So talking about sales, I obviously can spend hours talking about it, but in the interest of time, I'll just mention one thing. I used to think that sales is about tactics, about strategies. So typically... I would have thought that in order to be a better salesperson, a better influencer, uh, I need to go for different courses one after one to learn the advanced skill set in sales. And my mentor actually proved me wrong a couple of years ago. He said sales is actually not a numbers game. Sales is not a strategy game. Sales is actually people's game. So it's about how you connect with people, how you persuade your people and speak the language they love to hear and they will likely say yes to you, uh, which is why it has changed my whole dynamics. I'm actually focusing on more on how to connect with people in terms of sales, not so much about what tactics, what closing techniques that I must deploy in order to get the yes from the client. Mm. That's great as a result of using that little trick actually has increased tremendously. Yeah, I think it comes down to treating people like people Yeah, versus a combative, aggressive, almost confrontational mentality. Like, I'm going to use this on you like a wrestler. Like, I'm going to wrestle you into a sale, exactly. right? I'm going to use the secret closing technique and get you. But no, instead it's, hey, how are you feeling? And it's, I think it's hitting them on an emotional level because people decide to buy emotionally first oh, right. and rationalize it logically after. Absolutely. And so, yeah. It's funny because I was meeting with a friend last night. He's into buying condos before they get built. Uh-huh. So he buys like a lot of in a condo and then in five years when the condo is built and released the value that he bought it has already appreciated you know and then he gets to rent it he does it so he's got two exit strategies he can either just rent it mm-hmm. or he can sell it and make his profit off the appreciation and last night he was trying to convince me about this deal he's been looking at and i could just logically there was nothing there logically 
There was nothing there logically. We were talking about it. He's like, yeah, but you know, like it sounds like the unit's being sold 40000 He's getting a $20,000 discount, but it's being sold for $40,000 more than market value right now. And, you know, and the rent, it's got to stay with inflation. And even then, he's got to maybe be able to charge a premium because it's on the 45th floor. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I'm like, dude, I don't know. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. But then he'd come back to it. And I'm like, logically, it's a note, like from the logic you've given me, keep looking. You know what I mean? You already got a couple properties. You're not hungry. But he was like, yeah, but you know, this pro-. and I could tell he was wrestling with it emotionally. And so that's such a valuable point that you shared because people will make up reasons why they need to buy your product if you connect with them on an emotional level. And a lot of that is connecting and validating them, making them feel heard. It's addressing the undisclosed pain or frustration that they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. One of my mentors said, everyone's living desperate lives. If you don't think so, you just don't know what they're desperate for. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's got something they're desperate for or about. And so just connecting with them on that level and being trustworthy. Everybody wants to do business with people they know, like, and can trust. All things being equal, people want to do business with their friends because they're emotionally more comfortable with them. All things not so equal, people still want to do business with their friends. So, you know, that's a really valuable tip. I think that alone, anyone listening to this, if you approach it that way, which is like I just said, you know, 90% of sales don't happen on the first introduction, first touch. So you got to build a relationship with people and then talk about solving their problem with them. Here's another tip, at least for me, this is maybe a strategy, a tactic, but ask people to try not to buy. It's softer emotionally. And hey, like, let's try this. Hey, I know your pain point is, but let's try this. How is that? Let's just try it. You know, once you've connected them emotional level and you've shown them the picture of what they want and what you think you can help them, like show them the whole chain and then sell them the first link. Mm. Hey, this is the big problem. This is everything. Yada, yada, yada. Like, look, this is the big picture. This is six months, nine months, or if it's a haircut, you know, this is the 30 minute experience. But hey, why don't we just try this? Just sit down. Let's just try this. You know, let me just clean up around your ears and let's see how that looks before we go any further. Mm. Hey, okay. Your ears look good. You want me to continue? Okay. You know, and really taking care of them on an emotional level. Yeah. That's a great tip. I really like that. I would virtually high five you right now uh, if I could. Yep. <laughs> Imagine a virtual high five. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so now what do you think is the best? Well, I guess that was the best advice you got in sales. I was about to ask. That's my next question. What's the best advice you got? Um, I have to ask because I'm curious. Mm. What is the proven system endorsed by San Francisco State University? Oh, okay. Can you give us a synopsis? I know we don't have a whole call. Like we're almost halfway done, but. Uh, okay. So basically, like I said, in terms of sales, um, we deal with people. We are not really looking at numbers for a start. Uh-huh. So this is actually a system that we in our community are using. Uh, basically, is to look at the customers' buying behaviors. Uh-huh. We have a proven process that enables us to identify in 90 seconds or less the buying behavior of our prospect so that we are able to tweak our presentation, our sales pitch, or even our conversation by using the language they prefer. So if let's say I'm talking to a very formal person, if the buying behavior suggests that the person is a formal person, I can't high five. I can't dilly dally dala dala da to that person because that's not appropriate. Mm. That means it has to be official, formal, and even a handshake has to be firm and sturdy so that it gives the person the authority, the respect. And in the conversation, then I may have to talk about my credentials, my experience, my track record. And towards the end, when I want to close, if I choose to, I may have to talk about money back guarantee and ways to reduce the risk. So therefore, are uh, the buying behaviors of this group of people, which I'm, I will be consciously using their language to negotiate and close the sales. 
Ah. So that system that I've been talking about. In summary, there are actually different buying behaviors, and we have the flexibility to be able to treat our presentation, our pitches in the way we have to, because we talk to different people every day. Right. If I have just one presentation or one style of pitches, it will not work for all people. Right. I'm able to only close a small group of people, and therefore this system allows us to talk to all different types of people, and that's how we are able to get yeses from more people and increase our sales. By up to three hundred percent. That's awesome. Mm. So, how many different like uh, buying behavior profiles are there? Are there a lot? Are there like fifty, or are there just a handful? Just four. For our system, it is only four. It's very easy to implement and very easy to learn. And essentially, what we need to learn is what are the values of these four groups of people, and just master the values, master the language and the presentation by incorporating different values to different people. It's as simple as that. So essentially, we need instead of like having most people, most business owners may have only one presentation when they make pitches and presentation. Right.、Uh, for us, we always tell people you need four. You need four presentations for different buyers, or you need to if you are speaking in front of a group of people with multiple dimensions, you may need to have one presentation that speaks all four languages. Ah, so what are the four groups? The four groups we call them is actually an acronym.、Uh, acronym is、uh, B A N K Bank. So B is a、uh, we call them blueprint, action. You、yep. heard that right? Blueprint, action, nurturing, and knowledge. Got it. Yeah, I actually.、Um, I wonder if we work together indirectly. That is so funny.、Mm. Anyways, I'll ask you after the interview. I was subcontracted、uh, some work by a guy that was working on setting up a webinar funnel.、Mm. In fact, there were four different pieces of the funnel for this company that had this bank sales philosophy, which is so funny. Yep. Anyways, we might have been business partners and never even known it. That's hilarious. That's excellent. That's awesome. Yeah, and I love that. And it's just like you said, it's very straightforward. There's blueprint, action, nurturing, knowledge. And once you know what feeds them and you speak their language, they have this yes, this is for me response. And all the Sudden now, as far as like choosing between you and somebody else, there's instant connection and rapport with you. This person understands me; they know where I'm coming from; they speak my language; they're in my head. I feel good about this.、Mm-hmm. Let me logically figure out if this makes sense. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yep. That's excellent. That's a great tip. That's a writer downer. People might want to re-listen this interview a couple of times. If you don't have a pen, I'm always telling people get a pen and paper. I don't say at the beginning. Maybe we should start. But there's been some great gems in this. You definitely want to write those down. Is there is there a magic room? Are we gonna hang up, Jack, off this call, and you're gonna go, okay, Daryl? Now that everyone's gone, here are the real <laughs> secrets. Like, does that exist, or is this the real stuff right here? It's real stuff right here. Right. So the people、yep. listening, you should feel a spike of engagement right now and excitement、mm-hmm. because you're getting the real secrets that lead to hundreds of thousands and millions. Of dollars in sales. Again, there's no magic room. You're being empowered with the knowledge in this interview and others. And so all you have to do is go out and execute. And so that's awesome. That's so awesome. That's a great tip. I love that one too. You're welcome. So now let me ask you. I guess, like, what do you feel the future trends of this industry are going to be as far as like helping business owners grow and even business owners trying to communicate with their prospects? Where do you see the future going? Well, in terms of communicating with prospects, there will be a group of people who will be stubborn, like I said earlier,、mm-hmm. and they will focus on looking at the techniques, the strategies, and continue doing what they are doing. So eventually, will they succeed? I'm not so sure. There will be another group of people who have already got the success, 
and they have started influencing other business owners to change. So my job here is, apart from learning the technique for myself, for my own team, for my own business, I'm actually training and providing such support of teaching these business owners and give them the option while there's another way of getting more deals, more sales and prospecting their clients. So apart from using this tool for myself, I'm going out to promote, I'm going out to market and preach so that more business owners like us are able to enjoy that. I'm positive. I'm quite happy that like next week, I'm actually running workshop for this purpose, actually. So there are people who are coming to listen to me. So I feel happy because there are people who given themselves permission to listen to me. So I feel grateful that this tool is actually changing many people's life. So I'm just a part of this game, a part of the change agents. I'm doing my part probably to help more business owners to be more successful. So I'm positive you could ask me in terms of the future. Mm, mm, mm. Well said. Very well said. So, now, Jack, you've really been forthcoming here, and you've given some fantastic information. Um, there's a ton of great stuff. I know I've taken at least a page of notes, and some of the stuff is just fantastic. It's funny because you even say people can be stubborn and closed. It's just great to be reminded about this stuff and hear new insights from you and new ideas. And so I value your time that you shared with us. For people that have been listening that really feel a connection with you as well or like what you're talking about or want to know more about bank or any of the stuff that you've talked about, what are the best ways for them to reach out to you? Well, the best way to learn bank is to experience bank by going to uh, find out their bank code if they want to. So there's actually a bank code website which your listeners can go to. It is mybankcode.com forward slash Jack Wong. Hmm, perfect. So that will help them understand their own bank code, will provide them with some tips as to how they have been using the language to, close, to try to close other people. And they will realize if it's not working, it means they need to learn speaking other languages. Mm, that's awesome. That's so awesome. So that's mybankcode.com forward slash Jack Wong, J-A-C-K-W-O-N-G. Go check that out. Yeah, I think, again, because it's about connecting with people. All a business is is a group of people working to solve a problem of another group of people via a product or service. Mm. And so understanding those people and being able to communicate effectively is extremely, extremely important. So go check it out, mybankcode.com forward slash J-A-C-K-W-O-N-G. Get involved, get in touch, at least find out this information so you can make sure, are you offending or not miscommunicating? Are you speaking Chinese to your Russian clients, right? Because <laughs> um, it might help you improve results in your business if you learn how to speak to them better. So, Jack, I appreciate your time today. Has there been anything that I, I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? I think we have a very good talk. And just add on one more sales tips to your listener. Please. Apart from being open-minded, the other thing is to be really truthful, to be honest to be transparent. Uh, share with your listeners one story, a real story about how I closed uh, five-figure sales a couple of months ago. I actually talked to this client in two meetings and the second meeting, I was telling the client, you know what, I don't feel that I should be the one working for you or working with you because I feel there's another firm who can do a better job. I would then explain to, to my client why that is the case. But because I'm very transparent, I'm honest. So the client actually told me in the end, you know, what jack i still want to work with you i don't want to work with the other guy so if the conversation is open transparent and authentic your client will understand and will get it 
Yep. I agree. Honesty is the best policy. And sometimes if that means the parting of ways, then it's probably for the best anyhow. I really do think that, you know, the truth will set you free. And a lot of people may have, and that might be anyone listening, you may have a deep-seated self-limiting belief you're unaware of that you either don't deserve money, you don't deserve success, or successful mm. people who make a lot of money are bad. Because there's kind of that, you see like Scrooge is a bad guy. And rich people are always, you know, are always presented as the bad guy, the evil person. But to be honest, in my personal experience, I've known some good and bad rich people for sure, but the vast majority, nine and a half out of 10, are really good people. I'd say nine out of 10. There's a couple of screwballs in there and they're just quirky. But nine out of 10, because again, like we've mentioned here, you can't get ahead by burning people, especially in today's world, right? It's so transparent with social media and stuff. You have to be invested in your client's success. You have to be passionate about them and helping them. You have to have that. If you don't have that, it's just a ticking time bomb. And so another great tip, Jack, I think if there's been some real value bombs that have been dropped in this call, anyone listening again, I encourage you to go listen back with your pen and paper. And then of course, make your three lists, the list to do, the list to delegate and the list to buy or implement, I guess four lists to buy and then the list to implement in the next 30 days. Mm. Um, Cause not everything, some things you'll want to do right away and some things you need a bit of time and then go get those, get those done. Whether you do them or someone else does them, get them done. Mm. And uh, again, go check out mybankcode.com forward slash Jack Wong. And Jack, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I know that for you, it is past midnight. So thank you from the other side of the world for sharing with us and helping some of the people. Cause I know there's people listening to this, that their lives are going to change just because of some of the advice we were able to give them today. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you, Tyler, once again, for having me in your show. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.